Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I am J.P. Hornstra with the Southern California News Group, and I will be joined by Sean Green momentarily. We spoke between Games 2 and 3 of the National League Division Series, which is tied 1-1 to as I speak. But by the time you hear this, who knows? Hit me up on Twitter and let future me know what happens. Uh, we'll be back after the series is over. So consider this a little mid-series breather. Hopefully, the next time we'll be recapping a Dodgers series victory. For now, we have some thoughts about how games one and two of the series played out. Some talk about the goose that landed on the field in the middle of game two. And we ask the big question, like... What's up with the security detail at Oracle Park in San Francisco? All right, hopefully that's enough of a teaser. Let's bring in Sean. Sean Green, welcome back to the podcast. Very first playoff edition. How does it feel? Yeah, it's it's, it's very exciting so far. You know, not just the Dodger series, but you know, throughout throughout baseball, it's it's you know, postseason baseball. I think is hard to beat. You never know. It's whoever's hot. You never know. There's really no favorites in my in my opinion. It just comes down to whoever's hot, how the pitching matches matchups line up after the previous series, and you just never know. True enough. Uh, the three, I think, three of the four teams that had home field advantage in the wild card series lost. So that didn't turn out to be that much of an advantage, at least in a best of three, for whatever you can make of that. And I know that one of the things that we were talking about coming into the series was whether the Dodgers' five-day layoff was going to hurt them compared to the Padres having played these three very competitive games against the Mets and and ultimately winning. And they came out in game one, and they scored five runs in the first three innings, and they looked like they hadn't missed a beat, but then went quiet against the bullpen in game one, a little bit more in game two. I don't know. What were your takeaways just from these first two games of the division series? Yeah, it's the, the layoff, you never really know how it's going to affect you as an individual and the team, right? So um, it, it is tricky. I, I think certain guys, it, it definitely it helped a lot. Like Trey Turner finished off the season not locked in, and, and he's come out with a thing. So you get that. I think it's not just offensive and Defensively, you know, there's there's an attitude, a couple mistakes made, and some of those things are also part of not being into that that routine of of the speed of the game. You know, you have five six days off, and it's, it it seems a little fast the first you know the first couple innings or whatever, and sometimes it takes a little bit to get to back it, back into that rhythm as well. So it's not just pitching and hitting, but it's also like running the bases, defense, like all those types of things. You get into a rhythm and and a little break and throw it off. But, yeah, I think the Dodgers, they look great. You know, they came out and did what they needed to do against the Padres. I think when you have a team that you've played a ton, it, 
and you're the favorite, it's important to kind of jump out ahead um, and score some runs. That's what they did the first game. Yeah. You're correct, I think, to point out the, the potential effects of the layoff on defense, which, if anything, it, it just made me appreciate all the more uh, that double play that Gavin Lux started in shallow right field uh, to end, I believe it was the sixth inning of game one, was really a kind of a game-changing moment, probably saved a run, if not two. He has looked sharp in the field. You know, it's two games. It's probably too early to read into it. But um, knowing that it's tied one-to-one, uh, we've got the off day today as we record this on Thursday, and then it's basically a best-of-three series with, with two of the three in San Diego. Um, how do you feel about the Dodgers' position at this point in the series? Yeah, I mean, it's this thing. When you're the road team in these short series or even a seven-game series, the goal is, is to win on the road. And then you come back home, and even I think even more so when it's a, a two-through-two setup, it's like, okay, I think the advantage actually goes to the team that starts off on the road, even though you have one less game at home, because you split on the road, you figure you're going to come home and win two out of three, and then you go back to the, your opponents, and, you know, they, they have their back against the wall. So I think from San Diego's perspective, they need to win, obviously, you know, both teams need to win at least one of the next two games. But, you know, I think if you're San Diego, you say, okay, we got to win one of these next two games and just put all the pressure on the Dodgers. So tomorrow's game becomes, I think, crucial really for both teams. The Dodgers have all the pressure because of how good their season was, because, uh, you know, how strong the team is and, and all that they have done and are expected to do. So, I would rather be in the Padres position, I think, as a player, because it's always freer. Um, but it, it just comes down. The Dodgers have been through this so many times. And anytime you think, okay, they're in a little tricky position, they need to find a way to pull it out. And, you know, that's why they've been in the NLCS, you know, six of the last seven years. That's true. Uh, down to their last strike in game two, Freddie Freeman batting against Josh Hader, Ropes a double to the fence. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know if the Dodgers were just going to come back and turn the tables right there uh, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. That's just the kind of season that they've had. I think it's fun as a fan, but that's interesting to hear your perspective. How maybe as a player that just creates some expectations that are, I mean, in franchise history, it's unprecedented because the Dodgers have never won 111 games before. You, you literally could not be more favored uh, in a postseason every series, I would think, than the Dodgers. Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting this year, and it's, ha- it's happening in, you know, a few places, three out of four series, you have teams from the same division. And that's, yep. that's just, the way that with the lopsided schedules that they're doing away with, that's, it changes every, the dynamic a ton because, you know, back when I was playing, when you face Randy Johnson or Kurt Schilling or, you know, whoever else is in your division, that's, top star, you see that so much. The, the mystique around them is diminished. Then you mm-hmm. go, you know, if I just were going to face Durham right now, because they're more. Like, the more you see a guy, the more you get comfortable. You know, the Phillies against the Braves, the Phillies, they know those pitchers well. They all know each other. So it just comes down to who executes. And, you know, same thing with Houston-Seattle. I mean, Houston pulled that crazy win out of the, the first game. But it's you know, there's a level of comfort. And so in this series, 
between the Dodgers and Padres, when you have Kershaw on the mound, you have Arias on the mound, you know, the Padres, they know that they see Kershaw enough where they know the hesitation in his delivery well. Um, they know exactly how they're going to pitch, you know, each guy. And, and so it takes that, that lopsidedness of their records away a little bit. And that, I, I, you know, back in 1998, it was probably the, I think the best team I was ever on. And we didn't make the playoffs. We got eliminated from the wild card by the Red Sox um, with a couple of days left in the season. But, you know, that year we had Clemens won the Cy Young. We had Chris Carpenter. Roy Halladay came up in September. And we had just amazing pitching staff. And we, I think we went in and swept the Yankees. And that was the best Yankees team of the dynasty, the 98 Yankees. Yeah. And we went in New York and swept it. And we felt like if we would have got a, a shot at them in the postseason, that they would have been scared. And we, we felt like we had the upper hand, even though they were probably 10, 15 games in front of us. And so I think that's the Padres' attitude. And I think the Dodgers probably know that. They, the Padres, you can see it in Machado's eyes. You can see it, you know, in, in Soto's eyes, even though he's only been there for a couple months. These guys really want to beat the Dodgers. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm Dave Roberts and the staff, focus is not and take that that attitude away, just kind of knock it out. And in the back of their minds, the Padres know, like, God, these Dodgers are, they always seem to find a way to get us. And so that's the, that's the advantage that the Dodgers have, but you got to, you can't leave them breathing for air. You got to really knock them out early. And that's why game one was so great. Even though the Padres came back a little bit, you know, it definitely um, set the tone of the series. So they just need to keep coming at them early in the game, I think is, is crucial. Yeah. Well, speaking of setting a tone, the San Diego Padres restricted residents of Los Angeles County and the Northern part of Orange County. And I believe a part of Riverside County closest to LA from buying tickets to game three, (laughs) Um, they are trying to create that home field atmosphere in such a way that it isn't basically every Dodgers-Padres game in San Diego ever played in the last five years, in which it was at best 50-50, but often more Dodger fans than Padre fans. I'm really interested to see how that plays out in Game 3, whether it's an advantage at all. Again, we've seen home field advantage not mean that much so far in the postseason. Um we got a little bit more detail today about who is going to be out there on the field for the Dodgers. You know, Tony Gonsolin is going to be starting game three, Tyler Anderson game four. And we know that Austin Barnes is going to be catching Tony Gonsolin and what's likely to be somewhat more of a bullpen game than a traditional start. Austin Barnes also got a key pinch hit at bat in game two. He batted for Cody Bellinger in a critical situation couple ducks on the pond, and he had a chance to tie the game. Flew out to the warning track just about, um, but some people were questioning, why, why Austin Barnes? Why the backup catcher? Why somebody who's batting average close to, closer to 200 all season? Um, I've got my thoughts, but I wanted to hear yours, Sean. You know, what, what does Austin Barnes bring to this team that maybe makes him a good choice in that situation? Yeah, I, I think he, you know, he's going to agree at that, and he does got he started out a lot less than this year, percentage uh, wise and all that. So I think from that perspective, it's like okay, I want a guy up there, a right-handed hitter that's gonna, you know, put the ball in play and and give me a good at bat. And I'm sure in the back of Dave's mind, he's like, okay, I, 
I'm planning on starting him. So I want to get him out there and, and get up to speed, you know, kind of get back in the, mm. the adrenaline and the feel of the game. Um, Cause you're always, you know, it's, you're always playing for that individual moment, but you're also playing to win the series. So uh, I would imagine that that factors to the equation is, okay, this guy's going to be starting for me next game and I want to get him out there. It's interesting. I, I asked Dave Roberts uh, earlier today uh, during his off day press conference about getting Blake Trinan into the game when he did. And, and Trinan ended up giving a home up a home run that made it a five to three game. But uh, I think to your point, you know, when you have a guy who hasn't pitched since the first week of September, you don't want him coming into a game where he has zero margin for error. Um, coming into a game with a one-run deficit, a little bit more, a little bit less pressure if he does give up a run, which he did. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Blake Trinan is healthy enough to post again in this series. Dave Roberts thinks he will. Obviously, he spent about a month rehabbing this injury. Um, but, you know, Austin Barnes, another guy who hasn't gotten the start in this series, will get the start in game three. Um, part of these roster decisions, these lineup decisions that got so heavily scrutinized, so heavily scrutinized coming into this series, and, and now we're seeing them play out. We get to play second guess, uh, second guess the manager. Always fun, right? You just try to make the best decision that creates chance of success. So, and, and sometimes we don't know exactly what's going on inside closed doors. And we can talk to that. Or... For sure, for sure. 
Well, a lot can happen in a short series. It isn't always the manager's fault. But I, you know, I wanted to segue. Speaking of ducks on the pond, there was a goose on the field in game two, and it was. There was an actual goose that landed on the field. Took about well, Gavin Lux got a hit with the goose on the field. He, he unfazed by the presence of an animal on the field, he just went ahead and poked a single into right field. And then the grounds crew came out and, and chased the goose around a little bit, got him off the field, and. And play went on, but it was, you know, good three to five minutes of pure calamity. And, Sean, I have to know, uh, we were talking before, I guess, we've never had a goose-related incident in the course of playing baseball. But what's, like, the craziest thing that has held up a game during your career? Yeah, and there's been all kinds of things. I've had animals in the field and different I, – and sometimes it's like when your memory kind of works after, you know, being out of this game for so long – you know, it's like, that happened when I was playing, it happened something I saw, but, you know, there's been skunks and cats and <laughs> things like that. But um, the one, like, people are actually the craziest. Like, there's there's one incident I remember when I was playing for the Diamondbacks and we were playing in San Francisco, and a woman kind of, like, out of her mind, I don't know what she was, whether drunk or high or whatever it was, she kind of, like, flopped over the center field, lost playing center field, flopped over the center field wall, and just came at me wearing the hat. And I'm kind of a little bit of a German folks, so I didn't want to, I didn't really want to, like, and, and she kept coming <laughs> at me, and I was kind of using my gloves to kind of hold her off. And the security wasn't coming on the field. Maybe it's because I was a former Dodger or something there, you know. And so the other, <laughs> Alex Centrone and shortstop, he was over there helping, and then Chad Tracy was over there helping. And then it just seemed like to go on for several minutes before they even, and I'm looking back, like, I have a picture of it, like, what's going on here? I'm, and they kind of made it like she has to come and attack you or something for it. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know? So anyway, so this thing went off for a while and, and she did not get my hat. I'm sure she spent the night, <laughs> um, you know, in a, in a not so cozy place behind bars, but um, yeah, there, there's some crazy people that definitely. I think San Francisco is where I saw a fan run onto the field and last longer evading the stadium security than any fan I'd ever seen. Uh, I had some wheels. Um, this was a Giants-Dodgers game a couple of years ago. Maybe the security there is just slow. Maybe he wasn't fast. Maybe they're just slow, and that's why it took him so long to get this woman away from you, and it, it took him so long to get this guy. Maybe it's a San Francisco thing, Sean. Yeah, another reason to, to hate the, the Giants, I guess, for much right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny. There was one time actually in Dodger Stadium where Jason Romano, uh, a fan came out and was coming after someone and ran over and just body checked him with his shoulder and Jeez. knocked him straight on the ground. Like some people, it's almost like it's kind of a free for all. Once it came, I don't know if it's still like that. Where I think you're kind of within your right to defend yourself. It's like they almost like they broke into your house. And so some there are some players who would be a little bit more aggressive with that. I would. Not not one of them, but um, yeah. So I remember that nice body check by by Jason Romano at Dodger Stadium one time as well. Yeah, I think once I once the fan initiates contact or is about to, it's it's no holds barred at that point. I would say I think every fan in the stadium would understand completely. Um, but you don't want to, you don't want it to get to that point, of course. <laughs> and uh, no. give me give me. 
give me the goose over the drunken fan every day. <laughs> yeah, and Dodger security there. Dodger security's always been great, and they they get out there and and take care of business. So um, kudos kudos to them over the years. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we're not talking about Padres security after games four, three, four, three or four because they will have nothing to do with the games. Uh, in any event, I'm looking forward to them. I think it's going to be a cool series. It's been a cool series already. Very tightly contested. Everything you want from playoff baseball, really. And um, fun start to October. Um, hopefully, next time we talk, we'll see. We'll be talking about the Dodgers having moved on to the next round. Yeah, hopefully. And it's you know this is nice too. I you know I kind of talked a little bit about the pros and cons of playing within your division in the postseason. Um, but I think on the flip side, it, it helps build those, those rivalries even, even stronger, mm-hmm. right? Cause you know, I think the, the Padres from a Dodgers fan perspective are sort of the, the stepchild rival, obviously to the giants. So, you know, a, a good series with some, um, good villains in it, you know, like Dodgers, have, like you could hear on TV, the loud booze for, for Machado and Soto. And, um, I'm sure when Tatis gets back at some point next year. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of created a really nice, um, stronger rivalry dynamic than I think there's ever been between these two te- these two teams. Absolutely, I, I I think for the sake of the rivalry, if the Padres pull off this upset, that would throw a real, real uh, interesting wrench into the subplot of uh, of that rivalry, uh, one that really hasn't happened in. In a, in a full generation, really, since the Padres uh, made it all the way to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, when I was playing for the Dodgers, the Padres were sort of a, the thorn in our side. We we always had trouble at the old stadium at Qualcomm. And, you know, we'd finish a few games out of the division and had a losing record usually against the Padres. So um, hmm. it hasn't been the case. The Dodgers have really completely dominated the Padres. Um but you know now that the Padres are they're a tough tough team and a, you know a solid organization so um, it, it's kind of becoming sort of like the American League East I think the the National League West with um, how strong the Giants have been over the years and the Dodgers have been dominant for ten years plus and now the Padres are they're kind of poised with great young talent some of the best young talent in the game to be um, you know perennial postseason. Um, foes. So, um, you know, I think it's great. You you, want to have, you know, it's it's a lot more fun watching the Dodgers or whoever it is throughout the season, knowing that um, it's going to be a a battle to win the division. Absolutely. Well, one of the benefits of the expanded playoff field, which I'm writing about in my column for this week, is that with very few exceptions, the Stars of Major League Baseball are in the playoffs this year. Um, you can talk about the Angels missing it, maybe a couple other big name players, but my goodness, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Mickey Betts, Freddie Freeman. You just look around the league: uh, Acuna, uh, Bryce Harper, all the judge, yeah. judge, yeah. yeah. Go on down the list. It's a star-studded playoff field this year. Yeah, you're right, without a doubt. Um, and you know half the half the stars are on the Dodgers, so that helps too. <laughs> exactly. Well, good stuff, Sean. Thanks as always for joining me on the podcast. Looking forward to our next chat. Sounds good. Yeah, excited to watch the next couple games.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.